0: to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God from Ruth chapter 1. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. This is God's word. Do you know what it's like to go without? That actually is a little harder for us to relate to here in our culture, where even the poorest poorest among us have clothes on their backs, access to food even if it's by donation, and shelter over one's head can be found. I remember the appeal always being made to me when I was a child, if I didn't want to eat something. I'm sure many of you as parents have done it or heard it when you were children. There are starving children in Africa who don't have any food. I always thought to myself, good, send it to them. (laughs) Obviously that was not genuine concern for those without, but being a smart aleck. The reality is we don't quite understand what it truly means to physically, materially, have nothing. We've probably never had to be like the man in our gospel, Elimelech, and his wife Naomi and their two sons, having to leave Bethlehem to sojourn in the land of Moab to find food. There's a certain irony in that. It says that they were Ephrathites from Bethlehem. Now, you know Bethlehem, right? Tuck that away. That's going to come back here shortly. The word Bethlehem in Hebrew means house of bread. What irony that in the house of bread there was no bread. And so Elimelech and Naomi and their two sons, Malon and Kilion, they sojourn, travel to the land of Moab, probably just to find food. They were people physically and materially without. And then we read in our reading from Ruth chapter 1 that Elimelech died. And afterwards, now Naomi is widowed, but she still has her two sons to look after her and take care of her. And her two sons, Malon and Kilion, take for themselves Moabite wives, one named Orpah and one named Ruth. And then we read, tragically, Naomi's two sons die. And so there is Naomi, searching for bread, searching for food. No husband, no sons, just two pagan daughters-in-law and truly being without. You see, there is physically and materially being without like they were when they left Bethlehem. But then, Naomi and her two daughters-in-law found themselves societally going without. You see, in that day, if you were a widow... With no heirs, no sons to take care of you, you had no future. The same was true in Jesus' day. It's why in the New Testament epistles, Paul reminds us to care for the widows among us, along with orphans, those who materially have need, but also societally are viewed as those who go without. So Naomi confronts her two daughters-in-law. She hears that the Lord has visited Bethlehem. Hold on to that as well. There's food once again in the house of bread, and so she plans to go back. And her daughters-in-law credit them for being loyal. They would go with her. She says to them, go back. Stay in Moab. Find husbands for yourselves among your own people and among your own gods. And they initially both refuse. No, we will stay with you. She tells them. Even if the Lord should visit me this night and give me a husband, will I then have a son who will become a husband for you? Effectively? Are you gonna wait around till I bear sons that are old enough? To give you children? She tells them they would be provided for, they would have what they need if they went back to their false gods and their land of birth. Orpah goes. But, the text tells us, Ruth clung to her. Though Ruth was confronted with the opportunity to stay in a place where she could materially and societally have a future, she went with Naomi, whose future was in doubt. Why? Because her people would be Ruth's people, Naomi's God would be Ruth's God. When holding up the two together, that even though materially and societally she may have nothing if she stayed with Naomi, Ruth went the way of the God of Israel to be counted among the people of Israel. Now, you may not materially or economically or physically have ever truly gone without. Perhaps you felt pretty darn close to it. Maybe societally, you have felt a little bit more of that. Indeed, we are, as the church, being pushed further and further into the margins of society and continually divided into one class of people versus another class of people by ideology, by belief, by political persuasion. Indeed, culturally, there are those we regard as having no value. The unborn, the sick and dying, those who don't necessarily live up to the standards of others that are set. And yet, God operates by a different standard. Those who seemingly are without, who seemingly have no future before them, are the ones He redeems, purchases for his own people. You see, if you were to read the rest of the book of Ruth, and I would certainly encourage you to do so, it's not a long book, only four chapters, you would read about how Ruth did find a husband. His name was Boaz. And our book calls him a kinsman redeemer. Now, it was customary in those days, this is a custom that has long since gone away from us culturally, that if... A man died before he could provide his wife with an heir. It would fall to a next of kin to take that widow for his wife and provide her with such. And yet in the case of Elimelech and Naomi's family, there were no more sons. And they weren't even in the land of Israel at that point to find a relative. But find one they did. And Boaz would redeem Ruth. Ruth would be married. Ruth would have a son. That son was named Obed. And Obed would have a son named Jesse. And Jesse would give birth or father a son named David. David. Yes, that David, King David, ruler of all Israel. You see, Ruth is the great-grandmother of King David. And of course, out of the line of David came David's greater son and David's lord. Jesus Christ himself. If you were to go to the Gospel of Matthew in the first chapter and read Jesus' genealogy, there you will find the name of Ruth. A Moabite, a Gentile, a widow with no future materially or societally. And yet the Lord God saw her differently. Because the Lord God redeems and takes for his own those who seemingly have no future. And you know what? That is every one of you and me as well. Because though we might think we've got the future lined up, We've got everything taken care of. Got everything I need materially. Got everything I need financially. I've got everything under control. The word of God says, (laughs) stop and look again. Your riches won't get you into heaven. Your retirement won't get you into heaven. Not even your good works that you think you do to please God can even get you into heaven. The prophet Isaiah, we read all our Our righteous deeds are like filthy rags, polluted garments, something vile and disgusting. That's what your works are that try to please God when you try to build a future for yourself. And yet God in his love and mercy sends a son, Jesus Christ, to give you a future To ensure that even if physically you end up with nothing, even if society regards you as nothing, your Lord God, who redeems you through the blood of His Son Jesus Christ, regards you as a treasure, a son or daughter, an heir. Of his kingdom. Though at one point. The house of bread. Bethlehem. Lacked bread. Of course out of Bethlehem. Would come the one. Jesus. Who is the bread of life. The one. On whom you and I dear brothers and sisters. We feed Today, the one who gives his body given with bread and his blood given with wine to feed us and nourish us and promise us and assure us of forgiveness of sins, which also guarantees us a future. I think we, by and large, look at our futures, whether we do it in our own personal lives, in our families, in our church, in our community, or in our nation or the world. And we lament what the future might hold. We become frustrated. We think the future is bleak. We see ourselves as those without. Well, in sinful flesh, we certainly do live as people who cannot please our God. But it pleases God to give you and everyone a future. Even those society is cast to the margins, even those among us who feel like we're the ones Who are without. On the one hand, you are, and on the other hand, you have it all in the kingdom of God. In our three readings for today, we see all different people who would have been cast to the margins of society. Three widows in our first reading. St. Paul, a prisoner, in our second reading, our epistle. And in our gospel, ten lepers, one of whom was a Samaritan and therefore had it doubly bad. And yet all found a future, a hope, a kingdom that was theirs sheerly by the grace and mercy of their Lord God. And it's my joy to tell you, my dear brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, it's all yours as well. You and I never go without in this kingdom. But all of the riches of God are poured out Not just in eternity, certainly that's the best part, but also even now. Feed on your Lord, the bread of life, and know the riches he pours out for you from his cross unto you this very day. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.